Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome in to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnata back with you guys, as always, after a bye week for the Tarios. Now they get ready to prepare for the number two team in the country that will come into Chapel Hill. It is the second straight season where a top three team will enter Chapel Hill. Undefeated Carolina will be looking to finish the job this time, of course, last year. We know the 21-20 to 20 defeat to Clemson. Carolina had a chance in that game, played about as well as anybody could have hoped. This time, a little bit more on the line. Carolina comes in 6-2. and two. They are fighting for uh, their, their, their hopes of staying alive for an ACC championship game appearance. And uh, Mac Brown's crew feels pretty confident. We heard from quarterback Sam Howell yesterday when he was with the media. Uh, he thinks that Carolina, if they do, you know, they have enough to be able to beat Notre Dame if they have to do everything right. It feels like Mac Brown is probably in the same uh, same spot mentally, and I think that's kind of where we're all at at this point. Carolina has a lot of uh, a lot of weapons, especially on the offensive side of the ball, that can help them to get it done. But they have to be able to play one of their best games of the season if they want to take down the Irish. Yeah, uh, I told you today on our way to work, I think this is the biggest home game for Carolina since Matt Brown was here the first time they had Florida State at home on that Thursday night. I agree lost with that. 20 to yeah. I think the program's back at that point. It's a top 25 matchup. It's no coincidence that the AP voted Carolina in to put this as a ranked versus ranked matchup. National time slot on Friday, 3.30. Uh, but so, of course, they're going to rent the Tar Heels. But if Carolina is indeed back and they're back to playing big time football, this is a chance for them to make a statement. The Clemson game last year was unexpected. And no one thought they'd play Clemson that tough. Not us, not Clemson, not even Carolina. Probably thought they'd be down with a chance to win the game in the fourth quarter. This time, Carolina's coming in. They're six and two, coming off of you know emotional come from behind whenever Wake Forest had a bye way to kind of decompress from that. And they've got a three game sprint to kind of figure out how we feel about the season. They're six and two, but this team at one point was ranked top five in the country. They had right, home wins right. against a ranked Virginia Tech at the time and a ranked NC State at the time. But they have, you know, you know questionable losses at Florida State at Virginia. But this game, you can kind of 
erase all of that. You beat the right. number two team in the country, you'll kind of forget about those losses on the road. And then you would probably be sitting there thinking, okay, Carolina is back. Sam Howell is the type of guy that can win these kind of games for Carolina. And so I think that's, you know, that's going to be the mindset going in. Um, and and I, I think Carolina is mentally prepared for this. I think the bye week really came at a good time, especially with what with what happened in the Wake Forest game with the come from behind. Right. You right. needed a week to decompress from that. Yep. If they would have played the week after, they're going to come here and beat Carolina's a breaks off. That's just, that's just facts. They had a week to kind of get away from that, and they've also gotten healthy. A lot of guys potentially coming back to play for Carolina on Saturday. Those guys can still feel a lot better about Carolina's chances competing with the Irish. Yeah, I mean, you you just mentioned it there. Kyler McMichael expected to play. Storm Duck, Brian Anderson, and Bo Corrales all trying to play. They're going to go through the week of practice, and then they'll see where they're at on game day. Uh, I think the biggest thing that Carolina, you know, has to make sure they do in this game is come out motivated. You know, I think that Carolina shouldn't have much of a problem doing that. They've gotten up for the two ranked games that they played this year. Granted, one of them was a rivalry game as well, so that probably also played a little bit of a factor into it. But uh, you would imagine that this team is going to come out motivated to prove something, especially on the defensive side of the ball, where the last time that we saw them, they looked about as good as a Vic Coning defense, which is the worst defense maybe in NCAA history. Yeah, um, I don't think Carolina will be unprepared to play. I think they will be, you know, game plan wise, ready to play. And I think emotionally uh, and mentally they'll be ready to go because Matt Brown, this is what he's good at. This is why he got back into coaching. It's why he came back to Carolina to play in these kind of games, to coach in these kind of games. And he's had all week to kind of get them prepared for this. And, you know, and I think Carolina will relish having a, a Friday game. National TV, you're going to have the big ABC crew on yep. the call. They, yep. they won't be in Chapel Hill probably, but they'll be on the call calling the game. And it's, it's, a good, it's a good thing for the program to be back in the spotlight where you get a chance to prove yourself because you are 6-2 and two and you've got a top three quarterback in college football, maybe the most complete running back in college football. But as people still question about where your program is, you've got a chance, even if you lose to Notre Dame, to still say to the college football, okay, we're back and we're going to be a problem mm-hmm. for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you look at the defensive side of the ball, I think that what they've shown at times this year in that game against Virginia Tech, the game against Virginia, and that game against Wake Forest, I don't think is what this defense is. I think that a lot of that has been that injuries have piled up. You've seen guys that are playing out of position, as we've talked about a lot on here. Uh, The defensive line has really, really struggled in all three of those games that we've talked about. And I think that, you know, this is still a defense that should come in confident in themselves because you have to. And you're getting some guys back that should help you on the back end. I think that, uh, you know, takes a little bit of pressure off of the defensive line. But that's still the area where you need to see the most improvement in this game. I think that, you know, there's been some concerns on the back end. You've had some miscommunications mainly from your safeties. But for the most part, the area where there's been the most problems have been on the defensive line, and that's put the secondary in a lot of bad situations. Yeah, Carolina can't afford to come out and get shoved around like, like Wake Forest did to them. If Wake Forest, or not, if not Wake Forest, if Notre Dame can establish control of the line of scrimmage early, this game will be over early. You're not coming back down from 21 against Notre Dame. This is a line of scrimmage football game if there, if, if there is one for Carolina to play this year. You go back and you watch why Notre Dame was able to beat Clemson, even though Clemson was out without Trevor Lawrence, they beat Clemson up front. Not many teams can say that they beat Clemson at the line of scrimmage. Notre Dame did that. Right. So Carolina's got to come with that same mindset they had in that final quarter against Wake Forest 
but it's got to be there for 60 minutes from the first snap because Notre Dame is a very – this is the most physical game Carolina will play this season. So you've got to come in, understand it's going to be pounding, it's going to be exhausting, but it's, that's how this game is going to go. And I think you can take what you did in that fourth quarter and build from that, which is what we're hoping they can do. Because if, if, if not, then this chance – their chance is going to get ugly. But I, I think they had a chance to catch their breath, look at the film. I, I don't think you'll see the same scheme we've seen the last few weeks. I think Jay Bateman will kind of switch it up again. I'm sure that, you know, you got to put your young guys on the field and just hope they play off pure instincts and athleticism and live and die with those results. Yeah, and one of the other things that they've got to do in this one is limit Ian Book when he gets outside of the pocket. He's a guy that's been pretty good the last few years of being able to improvise, but especially this year. He's been fantastic outside of the pocket. He started to show that he can run the football with his legs as well. That's been an area where Carolina's been bothered for most of the season. So Carolina's got to be able to contain the quarterback run and not let Ian Book get out in space where he's going to be comfortable. I think that's one of the biggest things that Carolina has to take care of in this game. And when you look at that, I think the two guys that you've got to talk about the most are Timon Fox and Tyrone Hopper. That's really been their big jobs. I mean, your two interior guys are usually there to try to penetrate and get some pressure whether it's in the run game or if it's in uh, pass rushing situations. For Tyrone Hopper and Simone Fox, they've got to do it when it comes to both ends or both uh, dimensions of this Notre Dame offense. If they can't get after the passer and, can, and find a way to strategically pass rush him, not allow him to get out in open space, that's going to be a problem. And then the other big problem that a lot of people probably don't talk about, Kyron Williams is having a great year for them at running back. This is a team – that's averaging 223 yards per game on the ground. Um, I, I mean, Carolina's got to be able to take care of their business there because as we've seen a couple of times here these last couple of weeks, both in the game against Duke and Wake Forest, running backs were able to have success too, not just the quarterbacks. You know, Carolina's got to be very sound in their run fit defensively because Notre Dame wants to run the football first. That's who they are. That's their MO. And they want to build off of that with action passes with Ian Book, who's a very good quarterback. I think he is a very underrated quarterback in the country because they don't ask him to lose games. Mm -hmm. But, but you know, he just always makes the plays when he has to make them. And so I think, you know, you got to be mindful of his legs because he can get out and run. And But also understand that if not, they'll hand the ball to Williams, and he's a very physical runner. He'll lower his shoulder, and he'll run through guys, kind of like John State Williams likes to do for us. So I think that'll be a fun uh, matchup for us to watch as Tar Heel fans. But I, I, that's why I think this game just it starts up front. If Carolina can win up front enough, they'll give themselves a chance. If they get shoved around and they can't set the edge or contain the edge, and then if, if they can't hold the interior, it, it could be a long day for them because Notre Dame is as good as any team they'll play at doing that. Well, we talked about it when we recapped the game against Wake Forest. I think one of the big keys for that, even though, again, some of the talent levels might not match up in your minds, so you've got to be able to rotate guys yeah. in, keep guys fresh against the Notre Dame offensive line that could wear itself down as the game goes along if they play the way that they probably want to. Uh, now, you talked about the battles in the trenches being huge. It's not only the battle on the defensive side for Carolina. It's also on the offensive yeah. side. That's where, uh, you know, Notre Dame does a lot of their damage is with their defensive line. Carolina has got to be able to, you know, be able to push this Notre Dame defensive line around up front. This is a team that's allowed 85 yards per game on the ground all season yeah. per game. Um, so, I mean, Carolina, if they want to be able to do what they've done all year, which is run the ball successfully, let that sort of generate what they do through the air, then Carolina is going to have to win the battle up front. And again, we're not sure if they're going to have Brian Anderson. That'd be a big help if they did. 
But either way, you still feel like with what you saw against Wake Forest, there's reasons to be optimistic that Carolina can hold their own. Yeah, Phil Long is going to have to game plan to help us out with the line out, I think, in this game. Because I think if you ask them to hold up for five, seven seconds in pass protection, they're going to get eaten alive, and it's going to be a long day for Sam Howell in this offense. And it's not going to be easy. We, we don't think it's going to be easy to be able to run the football. Maybe it is. Maybe Carolina can show up and they can run the football. No other team has run against uh, Notre Dame this season. So if there's a team that could do it, you'd think Javante Williams and Michael Carter are the two backs that can get some production out of that. But you've got to understand that it's probably not going to happen. Not at the rate that Carolina's averaging. They're averaging 233 yards rushing a game. You're probably not going to get that. Right. Whether you had a fully talented offensive line, healthy offensive line or not, because Notre Dame is just that damn good at stopping the run. So I think it's going to come back to how does Phil Longo approach this game? Does he come out with a quick passing game to get his quarterback in rhythm and kind of use the run game as an extension off of that? You probably lean yes in this game, but I think that's going to be the thing is that I think the game's won on Saturday, but I think the game plan is going to be so important for how Carolina feels because they're going to have to feel themselves into this ball game. I, I feel like, and so that's going to start early and often with trying to soften up that defense and and, and trying to get your quarterback in the middle. Yeah, getting the ball out quickly, I think, is going to be a key. That could be a way to really get this offense rolling. Very similar to what we saw in the game against NC State, where you figured they would probably cause similar issues for your running game. This is a whole different level, but it's still an area where you would think that that could generate some stuff, sort of get some guys out of the box, soften it up a little bit, and maybe allow your guys to be able to carry the ball when they need to, which is down in the red zone. Um, you know, the other thing for this offense that they've got to do in this game is they've got to keep producing at the rate that they have. You just can't trust the defense that's on the other side. And Notre Dame is a very good offensive team as well. They've put up points in games so far this season. The only game where they really didn't was that game against Louisville. You're, you're hoping that maybe it, it ends up being that sloppy, but you're not banking on that. So your offense has to come out and perform well. Sam Howell, the last time we saw him put up a historic performance, the wide receiving core seems to have gotten themselves going as a whole. You're hoping Daz Newsom can carry over the performance that we saw from him. But even if he doesn't, Deami Brown's look good. Chopry Brown has played well, uh, as well as Emory Simmons at times. So you can find guys. You, you always seem to find a way to be able to piece guys together and create enough of a receiving threat. So I think that's going to be one of the biggest things for Carolina in this game against the Notre Dame team that, I mean, allowing 219 yards per game through the air. Not bad, but also an area that's probably a little bit more vulnerable than their run defense. I think if Carolina's going to win this game, they're going to have to turn it into a track meet, which I think they feel comfortable doing so because they, they've had to win a lot a lot like that since Mac Brown and then got back in Chapel Hill. And you have Sam Howell, who you, if you trust, and you'll you know and you'll, you'll know that, that feeling early on if you got to go put up points. Carolina will know early on if they got to go score 40, and they're comfortable if they have to go right. do it. They just had to go put up 60. To win a game and they did it with no problem and so I, I think that's the thing is that Carolina is going to have to be while you got to be cautious because of how good Notre Dame is defensively you've still got to be aggressive because you got to get points when you can get points Notre Dame's defense is solid but there is chances for you to move the ball and have something so Boston College put 31 up on this team a week ago Clemson scored 40 with a backup quarterback so there is chances for you to have big plays in the passing game and you got to be willing to take, be aggressive and go do that. And I think San, or I think Phil Longo will have no problem down at the deep ball. Yeah, I think, the, I, I think the speed of Carolina can hurt them because, again, what, Notre Dame, what they are defensively, as they've always been, very technically sound defense. They don't have superior athletes, but they have guys, like you said, that like to be very physical. They know where they're supposed to be. They're disciplined. So that's how Carolina's got to be able to game plan that. We see 
uh, if Carolina is maybe able to take some of those deep shots that they like to take in this game. And also, I think this is a game where you find out how good that running game is. Yeah. They're really that good. They're going to be able to put up some yards on this defense. Maybe not quite around your average of 233, but maybe still put up over 100 yards. Mainly the thing is, is can they find a way to run the ball when they need to run the ball strategically like they did a week ago against uh, Wake Forest? So um, predictions for this game, I think, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of people that, that feel confident that Carolina has a shot in this game, probably a lot more confident than you were feeling at halftime of the game against Wake Forest. But what do you think? Do you think if Carolina is able to pull the upset? I, I think Carolina's going to compete. I think they'll show that they're worthy of playing, of the, of, you know, Notre Dame, the number 15 in the country, and they're ready for the stage. I think Notre Dame's just damn good. I think, I think they're as good as they've been under Brian Kelly since he got there, and he's put this team to the BCS title game, took them to the college football playoff. I think this team is better than those two teams, and I just think they will wear Carolina out physically and, and win a game, a close game. I have it 38-28. But I, it, like you said, at halftime of the Lake Forest game, I thought they'd come here and drop 60. We're going to get embarrassed on national television. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Carolina will play about as good as game. They, this may be the best game they've played all year. But I think Notre Dame is just a little bit better, and that'll that'll be proven on, on Friday in Chapel Hill. Yeah, this is the latest meeting with an opponent that's undefeated since the 2017 season when they played Miami. We remember what happened in that game. A lot of pressure on Miami. I think that's one of the biggest things that's going to factor into this game and that Carolina has to feed off. The pressure is not on you to win this game. The pressure is on Notre Dame. Yeah. Nobody really – everybody looks at what you've got ahead of you. They also look at the fact that Miami may not be able to play, and they say, okay, it's a long shot for them to make it. For Notre Dame, they're saying, look, if they lose a game along the way, they are out of the college football playoff more, more than likely unless they can find a way – to beat Clemson, who at that point could be back to pretty full health. You would think that Trevor Lawrence is definitely going to be there. Also, you would imagine that some of their other guys, James Skalski at linebacker, could end up coming back as well. So that would be a much different team that they'd have to face. I think the pressure's on Notre Dame in this one, Carolina at home. Uh, I think that's one of the big factors here. And we saw what they were able to do against Clemson last year. This is a, you know, a weirder game because it's on Friday. Uh, Carolina's got to come out more motivated than the last time that we saw them play on Black Friday when they got down 20 to nothing against NC State. But I still feel like Carolina's got a legitimate chance in this game. You've got the quarterback that can win you this game. I think Carolina pulls the upset. I think they win it 35-31. It'll be a really close game. I think, you know, this is the type of game where your defense can get up for this type of game. It's not going to be a game where even Notre Dame separates themselves and Carolina has to come back because I feel like if it gets to that point, then that's probably too much to ask. I think Notre Dame is a team that's going to be able to put you away a lot easier than Florida State, Virginia, or even Wake Forest who you came back and beat. So uh, Carolina's got to come out. They've got to start fast. They've got to be motivated. But we've seen them, the two games that they played against ranked opponents this year, both of those games, they pretty much dominated. This is a completely different monster. I don't feel, I don't think it's going to feel anywhere close to the same, but I think Carolina is going to be motivated. They, this is the type of game. I'm not going to say you have to win, but we were talking about this this morning when we were going in planning the show. Sam Howell is a once in a generation quarterback. You've got to take advantage of moments like this when you can find ways to win games like this. I think they do. I think Carolina pulls the upset over the Fighting Irish. Um, so uh, 
from there, we'll move on uh, to some of the other storylines before we get ready to uh, get out of here. Relatively short edition of the podcast with it only being a preview podcast. Uh, of course, uh, for the Notre Dame game, before we shift over to that, uh, it's 3.30 on ABC. Uh, make sure that you guys are tuned in to that. Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreit, uh, big crew, as, they, as Josh mentioned, will be on the call. Um, and uh, that is on Friday. So make sure that you guys are ready for that. Now on Saturday, Carolina will be playing a little bit earlier this week. So all the eyes in the country will be on Carolina in an extremely crucial game uh, for one of the college football playoff contenders and with the Tar Heels. Uh, on the ropes uh, or being able to pull an upset potentially. So uh, you move to uh, the storylines that we have uh, off the field. You got Tavon Holloway and Tytron Chapman. Uh, they set their top schools list. Those guys are both big time recruits out of the Virginia Beach area for Carolina. Holloway has Carolina, Pittsburgh, uh, Penn State, Florida State, Virginia Tech, and Maryland. He's a four-star corner. He announced that his decision date will be December 25th. And Carolina is expected to go in as the heavy favorite, according to both 24-7 sports and rivals.com. As for Tychon Chapman, Carolina, Penn State, Florida State, Maryland, and Alabama are his final five. He just released those actually last night on the day that we're recording this on Monday. Um, and as of right now, hasn't set a date, but he did say that he is expecting for this to come to an end here soon. So uh, that's something to definitely keep an eye on. That 757 area of Virginia is somewhere that Carolina is going to have to do some work on this recruiting trail. They've got a lot of big time targets there. They've got a pretty good footprint. And the state of North Carolina has some really good prospects, but this year, not quite as loaded as this past year. So Mac Brown and his guys, mainly Dre Bly, have to be able to go up into that Virginia Beach area and come away with some recruits. A guy uh, that Carolina had on their roster, yet another transfer, uh, is Bryce Watts at cornerback. He becomes the sixth defensive back to transfer from the program since August. So Carolina's had a lot of guys in that secondary that have moved out. Bryce Watts, pretty special situation for him. Came to Carolina last summer uh, from Virginia Tech, had to sit out all of last year, decided to opt out this year, and now is transferring. So he's a guy that never played a single snap in a Tar Heel jersey. Yeah. Uh, so kind of an interesting scenario there. Uh, one thing I'd like to ask you about this, just because I wrote about it in the article when uh, he transferred and sort of trying to figure out where we are, where is the concern level here? Because I feel like there's not too much concern. You look at the guys. I mean, you've only got two upperclassmen in your entire defensive backfield right now, Patrice Rene and, uh, and Trey Morrison. But I think at some point, this is, you know, it's adding up to the point where you're going to have to start getting concerned here after a while that you're losing so many guys in that secondary. Yeah, I mean, you got to be somewhat concerned because you, you've lost – some transfers this year that you didn't think you were going to lose. But I think, I think Mac Brown maybe knew it was a possibility. They stacked a lot of talent in that, in the back, in the secondary. Mm -hmm. It was only natural that you were going to probably see a couple guys maybe depart uh, to go get a chance to play. I think he probably has planned for that. And I guess you'll see Carolina maybe be aggressive, trying to bring in some, some JUCOs this year, trying to bring in, being aggressive about bringing in other transfers to do really just to add some experience in the secondary. Like you said, they're going to be very young, but I'm going to trust Mac Brown and, and where he has this thing going. Oh, I definitely think that. I think you just look at the fact that, you know, the guy that you had in this last class, Jaden Chamber or Jaden Chalmers, excuse me, at cornerback, he ends up having to go the prep school route. 
I think that's where the concern starts to come in a little bit. Of course, Tony Grimes reclassifies, moves up. That doesn't really hurt you. Uh, but at the same time, he is going to come in a year earlier. So that means he'll have a, a, a one, one year less of eligibility um, if he doesn't choose to take the red shirt, which it's entirely possible that he does and decides to come in next year as a red shirt freshman, despite playing a decent amount so far this year. Um, but that's the thing. I mean, you look, Storm Duck, going to be back next year. Kyler McMichael, you would expect he's probably going to be back for the next two years. I mean, Storm Duck after next year could leave. And so far from what he's shown us, he definitely has the skill set that if he has another big year next year, he could possibly go early. Kyler McMichael, probably not. He's probably a guy that'll be around for a while. Very serviceable player though. Uh, same thing with Don Chapman, Cameron Kelly, both guys only sophomores. So that's, I think, the area that, you know, when, when you look at it, it looks a little concerning. The fact that you don't have a ton of depth is starting to get a little concerning because we've seen year after year here for the past four or five years, You've seen a lot of injuries, especially in the secondary. But I think for Carolina, you still have a lot of talent there, and they're still it's still not something to be overly concerned about, but it is definitely worth noting. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. want to encourage you guys, head over to the website. Check out all the stuff we got there for the Notre Dame game. We're going to have the preview for you. Of course, after that, we'll move on and uh, and have uh, you know some great stuff on the website uh, about um, – Let's see what else we got going up there after we will recap the game, of course, uh, for you. We'll give you the trench report, the stock report. Uh, then after that, we'll have to uh, turn around, go towards the game against Western Carolina. That game, since it's now been moved up, schedule switches around a little bit. But Carolina will now have a little bit of an easier game in between the trip down to Miami. Of course, with Miami, still don't really know what's going on with that situation. Hasn't been much that's been released out of Miami telling what, what you know, what kind of direction they're going in. Just going to have to wait and see if the game the week before us was to get canceled. I think that was, that would be when you would start to get a little concerned. But as of right now, Carolina is expected to play on the 12th. Also, uh, we got some stuff out there on the website, 2022 class. You guys can go look at the article uh, that I wrote up the other day. Check that out. It's got uh, the predictions for who we think will be the first commitment in the 2022 class. That was a really interesting one. Uh, there, some of those guys that we mentioned, Tavon Holloway, Ty Chun Chapman, both are on that list. But there's three other guys to keep an eye on, all from the state of North Carolina, that could jump on an offer first and potentially become the first commit for the Tar Heels in that 22 class. So make sure that you guys are going and checking that out. And of course, when this is recorded, we are going to have our first basketball game in the book. So we will have, uh, or when it ends up going up, when we're recording still a couple of days away, but um, you'll have uh, the, the preview for uh, the College of Charleston will have been up. We're going to do those all year and then you'll have the recap which we'll do uh, all year as well so you guys can go on there check all that stuff out uh, some great stuff as basketball season is getting ready to roll back around um and uh, i i think uh you know the podcast as well a lot of exciting stuff that's going to be coming on the podcast this year as well for the Boys podcast. yeah it's uh as i've said it's going to be funky because this basketball season is going to be funky with games getting canceled postponed moved we're, we, you know, we did the best we can in the preseason. We're going to try to do the best we can during in the season. One thing's for certain, Carolina's about to play basketball. That's right. And that's all that matters because we didn't know when we could when see that again. So, yeah, football team has made it through relatively unscathed. Let's see if the basketball program can find a way to do that 
as well. So that will do it for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast as we have my co-host ripping, <laughs> ripping air biscuits over here at the end. Uh, I don't think that's quite the biscuits they give you after you score 100 points in the Smith Center, nope, but we'll see. Uh, maybe this year, because they're not allowed to hand out Bojangles biscuits because of COVID, maybe they'll be ripping oh. them as you go out of the out of the Smith <laughs> Center. You never really know. But that does it for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Uh, of course, we encourage you guys, make sure that you like and follow the Facebook page. That'll give you the notification whenever we put up another episode, whenever it's going to preview. It'll tell you all of that stuff. Uh, for the people that are listening uh, on the apps, make sure that you guys uh, are, are rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast. The rating and reviewing helps us move up some of those ratings charts that people that haven't found the podcast yet can track it down. As for the subscribing, that's for you. Whenever you subscribe, new episode comes out. It'll be right in your podcast player so that you can wake up whenever or when you're coming home from work and it appears in there. You can just plug it into your car, wherever you are, and listen to the, net, to the latest edition of the Deal Tough Podcast. So, once again, I want to thank Josh for hosting with me again this week. I want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always, go Tar Heels!